Talk podcast, your host and conductor, Andy Smith. City to city, state to state, across the state, across the globe. That's right, it is the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. The conductor picking up passengers along the way. Interviews, sports-related news, and also outside the box. Unsports-related. That's right, it's a new time, it's a new season. Yours truly, Anthony Smith. A-Train Sports Talk podcast. And that show is getting ready to get started. Let's get this train on the track. It has been a while since I fired up the engines. Yes, I have a lot of stuff on my plate, but hey, I promise you, always when I step in here and fire up this engine, is to bring you some good sports content. And you know, the engine is revving. We're ready to get this train on the track and give you what you've been missing. So, grab your tickets, get on board. And get ready to enjoy this journey because this train is going to take you on a ride. That's right. Once again, it is your host and conductor of Kansas's favorite podcast, the number one podcast throughout the state of Kansas. That's right. I have no data to back it up. I just throw it out there and let you believe it. And like I say, what makes it number one podcast is because of not me, but because of you, the guest that appear that's what makes it number one it's not me it's all about you the people i guess you could say power to the people because without the people there's no podcast great guests such as bob lutz jeff lutz doug downs scott styles xavier mcdaniel uh i got coach matt fowler out there in oswego kansas eight-man football coach uh, the list goes on. Uh, I know I'm forgetting some names. That's why I hate calling names. But uh, young man who used to be with KGSO and went out to uh, ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina. His name is not registering, but y'all know who I'm talking. Yeah, uh, it'll come to me. But yes, I've had some great guests. Mike Kennedy. Uh, I mean, the list just goes on and on. So. All right now, I'm just giving some thanks where thanks is due. I was always taught as a young man, give credit to whom credit is due. So, upon last week, a lot has happened, and still talking about because around here in Wichita, we know about coaches getting fired. We know the backlash, the windstorm that it caused. It, as a matter of fact, I can honestly say, looking at social media, which is why come I don't envy someone like a Kevin Saul that has to sift through what's being said outside the walls of Wichita State. Sometimes a coaching firing can create 
some lines of separation amongst the fan base. Even during the season, there were comments that were made that I would deem some of them as detrimental to whereas if the people who were in the chat lines, if they were face-to-face, you would have to have security provided to make sure things remain peaceful, a la like a protest, so to speak. So last week, we discovered that less than two years after winning a title, Bucks fire head coach Mike Budenholzer. So less than two years after the Milwaukee Bucks won their first NBA title in 50 years, the franchise has fired head coach Mike Budenholzer, as reported on Twitter by Adrian Wojnarowski. Milwaukee Bucks dismissed coach Mike Budenholzer. Sources tell ESPN Budenholzer is out after the East top seed suffered a first-round loss to the Miami Heat. Milwaukee finished the regular season at 58-24, the best record in the NBA this year, but was stunned in the first round, losing to eight-seed Miami in five games. After the series, the athletic reported one of Budenholzer's brothers died in a car accident prior to game four. Budenholzer worked out to a 271-120 record as Bucks head coach, and his .693 winning percentage is the best in franchise history. In 2021, he led the NBA, he led the team to an NBA championship with a 4-2 series win over the Phoenix Suns. Much of the criticism lobbed at Boonhorst over the years relates to the lack of adjustments he has made. However, his in-series adjustments were actually a big reason why Milwaukee was able to come back against Phoenix after losing the first two games in the finals. Before that year's final, former Bucks forward P.J. Tucker praised Budenholzer for his flexibility as a coach. He's done more adjusting this year than he's ever done before, said Tucker in 2021. He's getting a little more adventurous, and I think personnel that gives him a freedom to do that a lot more, and that's one of the reasons we've been so successful. Budenholzer's old habit of being slow to adjust reared his head against the heat though with particular criticism being levied around his decision not to take a timeout in the waning seconds of regulation in Game 5. Matter of fact, the Dan Levitard show says, Honestly, we're all questioning it. Spo came into the huddle, and he was like, They didn't call a timeout. What are they doing? Max Struss on what it felt like as the Heat realized Bucks coach Mike Budenholzer wasn't going to call a timeout at the end of regulation. So that was on the Dan Lebertard show. As cruel and unfair as Budenholzer's firing might seem, recent NBA history suggests the Bucks might be making the right move with this one. In 2018, the Raptors fired head coach of the year Dwayne Casey and hired Nick Nurse, who led Toronto to his first title in franchise history in 2019. The Cavs fired David Blatt in the middle of a 30-11 and 11 start to the 2015-2016 season, but won that year's title with Teron Lue. In 2008, Avery Johnson was fired by the Mavericks after going 194-70 in three seasons. The franchise's next head coach, Rick Carlisle, won an NBA title three seasons later. The Bucks are likely hoping that a similar future awaits them. 
then again, it shouldn't be too hard for whoever gets the job. Budenholzer already gave them the blueprint. And if you think that is enough, there are some who actually weighed in on this situation, such as Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr says former Bucks head coach deserved better. The Milwaukee Bucks' decision to fire head coach Mike Budenholzer on Thursday didn't shock Golden State Warriors head coach Steve Kerr. However, he does believe the Bucks gave Budenholzer a raw deal. We all believe Bud deserves better, but we're all aware this is the job we chose, Kerr said via John Hollinger of The Athletic. Kerr's point is without merit. Budenholzer helped lead the Bucks to a 58-24 mark this season, the best record in the NBA. However, after several questionable decisions during the postseason, many questioned Budenholzer's status on the Bucks bench. Milwaukee's unceremonious exit in the first round, falling in five games to the eighth-seed Miami Heat, may have been the last straw. From the perspective of Kerr and others, Budenholzer's past success should have earned him more time. But the NBA is a result-based business, and simply put, Budenholzer resided over one of the worst collapses in recent memory, and unfortunately, it likely cost him his job. Budenholzer leaves Milwaukee with a championship ring and the best winning percentage, .693, in franchise history, so he will inevitably land on his feet somewhere. However, he won't be alone when it comes to former title-winning coaches, searching for a job. Three of the last four head coaches to win an NBA title have been fired, including Budenholzer, Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, with the only outlier being Kerr himself. Following Budenholzer's dismissal, former player and current ESPN analyst Jalen Rose suggested that Nurse, the former Bucks head man, switch jobs. Rose said he wouldn't be surprised if that scenario played out. Regardless, plenty of coaching pedigree will be available for whichever NBA jobs come open between now and the start of the 2023-24 campaign. So there you have the news on Boonhoser getting fired and what one Steve Kerr had to think about it. I say that in the NBA, the coach and fraternity can be a tight-knit group, and when one suffers, others feel it, and others have feelings about what transpired. And Steve Kerr, we know, is one who will not bite his tongue. He will speak up when it's necessary to speak up. But i tell you what I am going to do right here. I am going to go ahead and pause and take a break. And when I come back, I will have some more for you. So don't you dare go nowhere. Please stay seated until the ride is done. This is your favorite host and conductor on the number one podcast throughout the state of Kansas, Anthony Smith on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. We'll be right back. Don't you go nowhere. Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P, is fully stocked for all your grocery needs. 
We carry the largest selection of hot links in Wichita including the world-famous Oklahoma links from Mountain View and Rogers, Kansas links from Yoder, Colorado links from Gold Star as well as national brands such as Siegel, and Dietz. Our meat department stocks ribs, pork butts, pork chops, brisket, hams, chicken, hamburger meat, oxtails, buffalo fish, whole catfish and fillets, and much more. In season, we stock hard-to-find produce such as red, yellow, orange, and purple meat watermelon, cantaloupe, melons, tomatoes, corn, greens, okra, and more. We have a huge selection of fish fry, seasonings, sauces, and rubs including the full lines of Louisiana and Slap Ya Mama products. In addition, we have all grocery staples including flour, sugar, bread, butter, cheese, snacks, milk, and goods, candy, snacks, and drinks. And now, back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. segment we learned of the firing of Mike Budenholzer which happened last week actually we're just playing catch up getting you all caught up to get you ready geared up for actually this week that starts uh, you know we got a lot of basketball going on it's called playoffs really about the only time honestly I can say that I really pay attention to the NBA because honestly speaking, I will pay attention to college basketball quicker than I will pay attention to the NBA. But yet, that does not mean I don't know a little something about the NBA. Because now it is the playoffs, and it's when you really start to tune in. Because, let's just face it, the players, based on their actions, based on their load management, based off of their body language, whatnot, only time they care about the basketball season is the playoffs. And I would say the last half to last quarter of the season, when they're jockeying for positioning and seeding and trying to avoid the play-in because that means you have extra wear and tear that you have to prepare for. So if the NBA doesn't care about, well, if some players in the NBA does not really care about the regular season, my theory is why should I? Why should I invest so much time in the regular season? Because let's just face it, the season is just too long. I say shorten it down to 65 games. And then if you want to load and manage, I would say make it hard because if you still want to load and manage during a 65, I'll just say a 68-game season. If you want to load and manage during a 68-game season, well, there's only so many games you can load and manage, and you are ineligible for any postseason awards. That's my theory. Some of you may agree with it. Some of you may not agree with it. I mean, yes, the NBA has decided to put a cap on some load management, saying if you play an X amount of games during an A2 game season, you won't be up for no awards. I'm pretty sure there will be some players that will, as the child does their parent, they will see just how much they can get away with. 
Anyway, let's talk about some more playoffs. Because, as we know, James Harden played one of his best games. He put up 42, 43 points against the Celtics. Some are ready to say that if James Harden keeps playing this way, along with a healthy Joel Embiid, the Sixers could be unstoppable. Well, the Celtics down the Sixers in Game 3 as James Harden's epic struggles continue. In other words, James Harden did what James Harden does when it counts the most. He plays Houdini and he disappears. James Harden was the hero in game one, but over the last two contests, the point guard has been one of the main reasons the Philadelphia 76ers now trailed the Boston Celtics 2-1 in the Eastern Conference Finals. On Friday, Harden was abysmal as the Sixers in the Sixers' 114-102 loss to the Celtics, shooting 3-14 of 14 from the field and 2-7 of seven from three-point range to finish with only 16 points. That to me looked like a lack of confidence. Total and complete indecision. Wow. Wouldn't be the first time I was wrong, but to see him get that deep and look to pass. Well, he hasn't, he has not finished as efficiently or as aggressively as the cup as the. Yeah, that was some commentary on how James Harden seemed to be abysmal, and making bad decisions. After tallying 45 points on 56.7% shooting in Philly's Game 1 victory without star Joel Embiid, Harden has gone cold in Games 2 and 3. Since opening the series against the Celtics with a bang, Harden has shot only 528 from the floor and 2 of 13 from 3 over the last two games, both Sixers' losses. According to ESPN Stats and Info, this is the worst two-game stretch of Harden's career in contests where he attempted at least 20 field goals. Harden wasn't alone in his struggles. However, Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris combined to shoot 31.8% from the field over 20 points in Game 2. Meanwhile, the newly crowned league MVP, Embiid, looked much more spry in his second game returning from a sprained knee, dropping 30 points and 13 boards assist. Ultimately, Harden and company's lackluster shooting pair with big games from Celtics stars Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown did the Sixers in. Tatum finished with a team-high 27 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists, while Brown added 23-7-5 and five in the Celtics' victory. Brown has been immaculate scoring the basketball in the first quarter of the first two games. And Tatum knocks down his first field goal attempt. And here come the Celtics the other way. They get a five on four. Tatum lines up the three ball and knocks it home. Joel, a little bit slow to get up off the floor. You mentioned it. Helping that offense fire smart. Kicks it out to Tatum. Great pass on the roll. And the Celtics start off four for four from deep. Five for five overall. Back to the 33-plus points per game. There's a reason why he's MVP this year. 
off the miss. Quickly Tatum at the other end. Lays it home. The Celtics lethal in transition. The 76ers were a top 10 defensive team during the regular season. Ended up seventh. Tatum got the reverse. A little jelly off line. Smart screens for Tatum. Tough shot in. Wow. wow. Tough by Jason Tatum. Harden got hit by the screen. Tatum snakes it. Float game is pure. Wow, you got to quick shoot the basketball. This is a team that's got to play off its defense, try to get some turnovers. Tatum lacerates the lane for the layup. Effective execution. See if they can close this one out. Tatum with the turnaround on the baseline. Butter. Tatum on the wing against Harris. For three. Got it. String music. And yes, there was highlights right there from Boston and Philly. And of course, we know that game four was today. And we will have more on that tomorrow as we recap what happened in the NBA as far as playoffs. But back to the story here. Along with Tatum and Brown, four other Celtics finished in double figures, including Al Horford, 17, Marcus Smart, 15, Malcolm Brogdon, 15, and Derek White, 13. Boston now takes a 2-1 advantage in the best of seven series. The Celtics will take on the Sixers for game four Sunday in Philly, 3.30 p.m., and that game is already in the books. But like I said, we will have highlights on that one tomorrow as we are just pretty much bringing you up to speed as to what happened up on last week. And, yes, the train will be firing up the engines on all cylinders. And we'll be bringing you some good content. So. Let's look at some more of what happened. Because as we're talking about James Harden, there is one report that talks about a disappearing act. It says that James Harden pulled a Ben Simmons story game three loss. But you heard some of those highlights. But imagine that comparing James Harden to a Ben Simmons saying that he pulled up Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that right there will make you laugh a little bit. But anyway, James Harden took a page out of the Ben Simmons playbook for game three against Boston Celtics on Friday night. And that is not a good thing. Harden was the biggest reason why the Philadelphia Six, 76ers won game one of their semifinal series on Monday as the 33-year-old guard carried the team to victory by scoring 45 points. But after the big game one, Harden has completely tanked. He went just 2 for 14 shooting in a blowout game, two loss, and in game three at home on Friday, it was more of the same. During game three, Harden went just 3 for 14, 16 points, Though he did this shot 11 assists. Well, there's one good shining moment right there. He was like Simmons in the sense that he seemed to avoid shooting the ball despite having good looks. Ooh, why do you do that? Here, 
one opportunity he had in the third quarter that he passed up, leaving ESPN's announcers stunned. Harden. Wow. I mean, he's completely indecisive. That, to me, looked like a lack of confidence. Total and complete indecision. Wow. Wouldn't be the first time I was wrong, but to see him get that deep and look to pass. Well, he hasn't. He has not finished as efficiently or as aggressively as the cup as. The yeah, that, that, that was Ben Simmons like. You get rid of a problem, and you still have the same problem. What's the old saying? The more things change, some things just remain the same. <laughs> and if you think that was all, here is some more Ben Simmons. Oh, I mean James Harden. Highlights or lowlights dynamic duo presents and he preached discipline saying those guys are so good they waited they score on all three levels telling me you have to understand they come at you at any yep 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 so i wouldn't be surprised if you don't see james harden in a philly uniform next year as a matter of fact the talk is really heating up that he may be on his way back to houston my only question is why would you do something like that if you are Houston? ESPN's Michael Wilbon roasted Harden at, the half, at halftime, too, apparently forgetting about some of the poor playoff stretches Harden went through in Houston. He said, I don't think I've ever seen James Harden look this bad in a playoff game. He's, like, afraid to take shots. Michael Wilbon sounded off on Harden's first-half performance in Game 3 of the Sixers. Celtics. 12 turnovers leading to 18 Boston Celtics points. And to underscore your point, I don't think I've ever seen James Harden look this bad in a playoff game. No, think about it. He's not even, wow. he's like afraid wow. to take shots. Yes. Not only is he 0 for 5 in the paint, there's about five times he is eight feet from the basket or closer and won't even shoot the ball, Steven. That is amazing, especially from a guy who is a high-volume shooter and afraid to shoot the ball. I mean, I get it. This is not his team. This is Joel Embiid's team. But, hey, you were the number two guy. You were paid the big bucks. You are supposed to perform. Come on, man. Don't have no Houston moment when you disappeared. I mean, Wilbon says he hasn't seen you play that horrible. But think about it. When he was in Houston, Okay, yes, he did put up better numbers. But was his mind really in the series? Because win, lose, or draw, he would easily be seen at a strip club. And like I said, I get the fact that this is Joel Embiid's team, but James Harden, you were paid big bucks to produce, not pull a Houdini. You're supposed to be the number two guy on this team. Yes, Maxie and Harris, they didn't do their part, but at times... They shine a whole hell of a lot better than what you do. And they're not getting paid nearly as much as you. Anyway, says that was the exact type of behavior Simmons exhibited during his erosion of confidence at the end of his Sixers tenure. 
there is one variable that has probably resulted in a change in mentality for Harden since the series began. In game one, Joel Embiid was not playing, and Harden decided he would need to act as a scorer and play hero. But when Embiid played, Harden took on more of a facilitator role, which seemed to mess with his confidence and lead him to pass up shots. The transition from playing with Embiid and without Embiid seems to be a very difficult one for Harden. As for the end result on Friday, Harden 76ers lost game three by a 114-102 score to fall behind 2-1 in the series. So, what is it James Harden must do? James Harden must get that ball-dominant mentality back. That's what I think. He need to be relentless when he's going to the basket. Like I say, you're eight feet within the basket, shoot the ball. That's what you do. You shoot. You score. Be a scorer. Make the other team have to adjust to you being that other guy. Because right now, nobody fears you. They fear their beard more than they fear your game. Anyway, enough on James Harden. Tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to take a break. And when I come back, I'll have some more for you. So don't you dare go nowhere. This train is building up steam. Going down the track. Bring you some good content along the way. So stay tuned to the number one podcast throughout the state of Kansas. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. It's time for us all to grow together. So, if you would like to have your ad ran on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, simply reach out to me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or at 316-553-2010. Or, if you would like to sponsor a segment, you can also reach me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or 316-553-2010. So let's grow together. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. All aboard the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with what will most likely be my Final segment as the hour is growing late on a 
Sunday evening. And Monday morning is right around the corner. Some of you know about that. Anyway, I'm going to end on some football, on a football note. Because there's one coach who is ashamed of the NFL. And here's why, and here's who it is. Yes, Deion Sanders ashamed of NFL, and here's why. Deion Sanders was frustrated by the NFL draft over the weekend, and this was prior to May the 1st. Let me add that. The former Jackson State coach tweeted Saturday that he was ashamed of NFL teams. Why? Only one HBCU player was drafted this year, Isaiah Bolden. Bolden, a cornerback and returner for Jackson State, was selected by the New England Patriots in the seventh round, 245th overall on Saturday. So proud is you at Isaiah Bolden 23. You deserve to be drafted much higher. But I'm truly proud of you, he tweeted. I know how much you want this. I'm ashamed of the 31 other at NFL teams that couldn't find draft value in all of the talented HBCU players. And we had three more draft-worthy players at JSU. Bolden is the second Jackson State player who played under Sanders to be drafted. The other was linebacker James Houston, who was selected by Detroit Lions in the sixth round last year. So I want you all to weigh in on this. Is the NFL sleeping on HBCU players? Is the XFL sleeping on HBCU players? Is the USFL sleeping on HBCU players? I guess it's an obvious choice from my perspective. The NFL most definitely is overlooking HBCU players. Now, it's amazing that you can go to North Dakota State, come out with a Carson Wentz bust, Trey Lance, the verdict still out, but you can't take the time to really scout some players like from a Florida A&M University who has a successful program year in, year out, Jackson State who succeeded under Deion Sanders, the verdict remains the same. What will happen after Dion? They have combines provided so scouts can come and check them out. And still, all you can give is one player. And I, I, I do, to a certain point, get the competition value. But for only one player to be drafted from an HBCU school, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen some HBCU games. I've seen some of these players. And I get the fact that you're looking at these players from these Power 5 schools. But if I were to do a show on some of the greatest HBCU players to play in the NFL that are in the Hall of Fame, at some point you would have to say, you know what, maybe we need to wake up and take a closer dive. It's not even about drafting, drafting someone from an HBCU school, taking a spot from a player from a Power Five school. It all even come. It even comes down to this right here: this, this coaching fiasco that you know you overlook a co- coach for the 
color of his skin or, you know, if he qualified. I mean, the Houston Texans got a real good thing going on. They're on their third black head coach in three years. Saying, what does that mean? That means they fired two of them. At least they got the black head coach thing going. Now, I know some people don't hear this going to say, man, what in the, what can I, how can I say this? Or probably saying, what in the heck are you talking about? What's up with it, it, It's not about the coach and color, but I'm just saying Houston right now has the only distinction of an uh, organization that has hired three black coaches in a row. One after the other, after one year. But at some point, you have to stop overlooking what could be a diamond in the rough. Just because they play at Alabama, the LSU, I mean, I can give you some examples here recently of what didn't really work out. Let's take Texas A&M, Johnny Manziel. How did it work out? Last I seen, Johnny Manziel was playing in an uh, indoor football league. And his backup quarterback, for all intents and purposes, scored a touchdown and blazed up a joint. (laughs) Right. So, Johnny Menzel didn't work out. Baker Mayfield. He's beginning to be a journeyman. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. Quarterback. Flamed out in Cleveland. Went to the Carolina Panthers. Got beat out. Where's he at now? New Orleans, something like that. He's somewhere. Yeah, he's going to be a journeyman. I doubt if he ever be a number one quarterback again. Doubt. Highly serious. But this is what you guys in the NFL want. Y'all want these power five quarterbacks, these power five defensive backs, these Power, these guys from this school, that school, when in essence you could be overlooking a good role player, the next star. I mean, think about it. Deacon Jones, Walter Payton. Those, that's just to name a few that came from HBCU school. Walter Payton, one of the all-time great running backs in NFL history, Hall of Famer. can't deny that talent but you also have to stop overlooking that talent in today's current culture as well too maybe what will happen is there will be a floodgate of HBCU players maybe latching on with some team in the XFL or maybe the USFL to get their look and then next you know they get that move up to the NFL I mean, if that's the route they have to take, then so be it. But for only one player to be drafted and in the seventh round at 245, I think Deion Sanders, I think I would be ashamed as well, too. I know some are saying that, well, Deion should worry about him losing 51 players to the transfer pool after the spring game. But, you know, you can't. it's hard to remove yourself from where you once were. Did Deion Sanders play for an HBCU school in his college days? No, he did not. But I'll tell you what he did do. When he was at Jackson State, he laid a hell of a blueprint 
to whereas if other programs and other schools will take notice of what he did, they would they would follow suit and upgrade their brand. When I think about the situation between Ed Reed and what happened at Bethune Cookman, it's a travesty. And Ed wasn't just there for the football program, although he had some big money people lined up to pump money into that school's football program. He was also concerned about the well-being of not just the student athlete, but the student who stay in dorms that are in conditions that are way beyond livable. How do you live in something like that? Nothing gets done. It's beyond my knowing. So I applaud Ed Reed for bringing an awareness to what's going on at Bethune-Cookman. I also applaud those students who decide to go out and protest because they deserve better conditions in those dorms and what they're in right now. So I applaud those students. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring this train into the station. Hope you have enjoyed my content. Hope you have enjoyed my rants and raves. Trust me, tomorrow I will be back with some more. So, like I said, keep your tickets because they are reusable. I'm going to take you on another journey tomorrow. So until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Be blessed. I'm out.